This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. What up, homies? I'm back with pregame handicapper and data dude Mackenzie Rivers so we can go through our NBA Eastern Conference futures, predictions, and best bets for the upcoming season. I'm pretty excited about this podcast. Um, Mackenzie and I connected for an NFL preview podcast, but my bread and butter more so is is the NBA. Mackenzie is one of the sharpest dudes on the internet talking about the NBA or handicapping the NBA, so I'm excited to hopefully um, help get some winning wagers off of him and and help him or him help me uh and in, in, in terms of like previewing the nba this season but uh mckenzie how's it going brother let's make some money together it's going well this is the best time of year the bookies don't know what they're doing and uh i think we do i think uh nba uh surveyors that are closely watching the market can make a lot of money in october and november before the books catch up yeah, I don't know, like, your personal philosophy on futures. I actually, like, much prefer just game-to-game handicaps. I probably... Me too. Um, I probably bet a little more than my bankroll would allow me on, on game-to-games, but or um, in, in individual games. I'll have a couple future plays. I actually have, like, five or six that I'm, I'm willing to bounce off you here. But if I'm being honest, like, most of my NBA bankroll is just going to be tied up into regular season action and then obviously the postseason are you much of a future player or or how do you like to get down in the nba typically no i'm the same way i'll play uh some future bets i remember betting a huge bet on joel mb plus 350 the next week it was plus 150 the next week he had a busted knee and didn't play the rest of the season so there's definitely times i can remember um taking off the uh, rubber band for a futures bet but generally i say this often the nba is my favorite sport basketball professional basketball is my favorite sport to watch handicap the nba's the league is all right there's 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 plenty of things wrong with it there's plenty of games being played by the franchises by the players it's not a hundred percent as hard as you can every day of the week and we know that the market knows that you look at the over-unders there's nobody over 55 five years ago there would have been six seven teams over 55 but we know 65 games, 70 games is probably the peak for a lot of these players. So uh, if I'm putting my money on the stake, I don't want to guess how many players, I mean, how many games Jason Tatum's going to play. So I think the Celtics are better than the, you know, five points better than average that a 53 and a half win uh, projection would make. But I don't think I know that they're going to be that 82 games of this year. So I, yeah, I agree with you. I think there's more money to be made uh, with more knowledge and more information at our fingertips on a game-to-game basis. Yeah, I'm I'm with you in the sense that professional basketball is my favorite sport to watch and to handicap. The NBA as a league really pisses me off from time to time, but just like I grew up loving the NBA and I, I just can't quit it. And, and really, I think betting on it day-to-day 
um, is it, it's my favorite sport and probably my most profitable sport to bet. So I'm too, with let's you. go. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I actually locked in a couple uh, bets and 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 uh, one in opening night and one in the second night, uh, Wednesday, October nineteenth. Do you have any? Um, yeah. Do you have any bets? In, uh, I have made in- one bet in the first two games. I'm eyeing um, a trend, and I can talk to you about it. I haven't made any specific bets, but there's one trend: the under on opening day. If you throw out 2015, 2016. That was the three-point revolution. Steph Curry in the playoffs, everyone saw it. The next year, scoring was way up. So throughout those two years, the under and opening day has been like a 55 60% play. So I haven't pinned down exactly how I'm going to attack that, but I'm definitely going to be looking at unders. And then, yeah, I have one play uh, on opening over the opening two days. I like the Cavs over the Raptors. Ooh, see, this is what's awesome because you're sharp. And I really respect how you get down in the game, but me and you, I think are going to have some respectful and and interesting disagreements. And that's actually one that we're already oppo on. I'm (laughs) going to lay the points at the Raptors, dude. So I'll give you my analysis real quick and we'll hear what your rebuttal is. If you don't mind. Um, Essentially my thing is the, um, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, had a uh, a, top, a top five or I guess bottom five in this case offensive turnover rate last year. Um, I think bringing in Donovan Mitchell obviously raises their ceiling, but there's going to be some, I guess, learning curve or like a ramp up period and him and Garland trying to figure out who's going to be predominantly on the ball. I think it's Garland's team. I think it's Garland's offense to run, but he's obviously going to have to give up um, a lot of usage to, to Donovan Mitchell. But where I see the the Raptors taking advantage of Cleveland's clumsy ball security is is because Toronto uh, was top three, if not the highest, um, had the highest defensive turnover rate in the league last year. A, a big reason because of that is, is Nick Nurse and his ability to devise um, crazy defensive schemes. So I think the the Toronto Raptors are going to be able to turn the ball over or turn the Cleveland Cavaliers over, and which was another thing that was surprising about the Cavs last year is that Jared Allen or that their um, defensive rebounding rate was actually below average, even though they had Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. So uh, Toronto has a really high offensive rebounding rate. They have a really high defensive turnover rate. So I think they're going to get some. Um, easy putbacks, and I think they're going to turn the ball over or turn Cleveland over um, and convert some easy points. And I guess the last thing is the fact that uh, people kind of forget how much or how big the Raptors' home court advantage is. Um, big reasons because they played in Tampa two years ago and they had a whole bunch of Canadian COVID um, situations or policies they that that affected their their attendance last year so i think they're going to get back to being one of the better home teams in the league so i'm i think i have to lay three and a half right is that the current the current number on that one it's down to three at most places i think DraftKings still has a three and a half up i actually got a plus four uh not to be the clv guy but bet online put that number up and and uh it's for me comes down to power ratings and you gave a, a matchup handicap and i actually bet the raptors using a similar handicap uh they just ate up darius garland causing a bunch of turnovers i bet the raptors last year i remember using that same analysis so the matchup makes sense to me but this is a power ratings play for me these teams were essentially equal last year plus two 
if you throw out garbage time per 100 possessions versus their opponents, I'm betting that Donovan Mitchell makes them better. I'm not saying it's going to be 100% rosy, uh, dovetailing perfectly day one. I'm just saying Donovan Mitchell is was plus three and a half, plus four for the Jazz. I only need him to be plus one for the Cavs adopting a new role for this to be a better team than the Raptors. Uh, so if I get... If I say the Cavs are a better team, which I do with the addition of Donovan Mitchell, all right, well, the home court advantage in the NBA, it usually balloons in the playoffs. Last year in the regular season, it was as low as we've seen it, only 1.6 home teams outscoring road teams. So I'm going to call it two, and I think that's generous. So I think this line should be one, and uh, and I got four. So that was my thinking. Uh, how, how much more is the Raptors' home court advantage? Probably some than the league average. So I'll, I'll give you that, but uh, I still think the value here is on the Cavs. I think they're a slightly better team, and I'm getting, you know, three and a half, four points. Yeah, I don't hate that. Um, actually, one of the first bets that I can bounce off you here, um, keeping, in, um, keeping in rhythm here with our conversation, I was looking at Donovan Mitchell. Now, I don't like to pay the VIG on futures typically, but I was looking at Donovan Mitchell under 25.2 points per game for the season. Um, the rationale behind that is I, his usage rate is going to dip a little bit, I would assume. Again, I do think it's Darius Garland's team, so he is going to kind of run the show or run the offense a little bit. Also, Donovan Mitchell is a ball handler on a team full of ball handlers. They also have Ricky Rubio, Karis LeVert, Darius Garland, and Ra- Raul Neto. While Raul Neto is most likely not going to eat into Donovan Mitchell's usage, if Garland and or Rubio get injured – uh, Neto and Lavert are going to step up and at least have some sort of responsibility in this offense. Also, Utah's offense, um, obviously Donovan Mitchell's previous team, was much better than Cleveland's. Um, over the last five years, excuse me, the last four seasons, Donovan, uh, the Utah Jazz were top five in effective field goal percentage. So I do think Donovan Mitchell's numbers are going to suffer a little bit just by going to a less efficient offense. I mean, you can say whatever you want about the the Utah Jazz's postseason struggles. They did a really good job of getting a whole bunch of people some quality looks, including Donovan Mitchell. Now, I would also say that he and Rudy Gobert's like gravitational pull helped his teammates more than his teammates helped him necessarily. But I do think Donovan Mitchell um, does go over under this this point total, and I mean twenty four points per game with a uh, and a, a top three seed Cleveland, if it were to play out like that, it's still an awesome season. So I don't think he has a bad year. I just do think that he goes under that point per game uh, prop. What do, you, what do you think about that bet that I'm throwing at you? So what's the number exactly? 25.2. All right. I like it. I think, I think that's definitely the way I would look at. I'm looking at his last year, 25.9. So you need him to drop off, which the market is expecting. I think the drop off is going to be considerable considering he's going from a middle of the pack pace team. That was an elite offense, like you mentioned, and they were a very particular offense, the way they became so elite with a great regular season net rating. And it's because of Rudy Gobert in that defense it gave a lot of fast break threes, a lot of opportunities for their guards, which won't exactly be the case in Cleveland, a lot slower pace team, also a good defensive team, which will make up for Mitchell's weaknesses, but that's, that's in your favor there. Also, he was the guy. He was the guard in Utah. Now Darius Garland, first-time All-Star. You know, he's kind of that age that John Morant blew up and became an MVP candidate. 
he's going to have he's going to demand the ball at least as much as Mitchell. So you're looking at a point drop off, and you're look and you're and we're cashing this bet. That that seems to be reasonable to me. I, I think it's a good bet. All right, another player prop though, um, uh, also within the Cleveland Toronto matchup game one. I'm taking over Pascal Siakam 22.2 points per game, which is also minus 115 at DraftKings. Just my thoughts on this were he had a bounce-back season last year, best PER of his career um, after just a dreadful season in Tampa. He's been over 22.2 points per game in two of the last three years. And Nick Nurse ran his starters into the ground last season. And I don't really think that's going to change much. He led the NBA in minutes per game. He's got a 49% field goal percentage for his career. His range is um, expanding a little bit. I, I really like just his overall offensive versatility. And I do think um, there's an expectation that Scotty Barnes is like as- ascension possibly right. eats into Siakam's usage. But how I see Scotty Barnes, I, I feel like he's more of like like a multi-versatile um, uh, a player that, that doesn't necessarily um, want the offense to run through him from a scoring standpoint, but is going to be able to get players open or get teammates open. And he, he moves the ball a little bit. He helps uh, defensively. And I don't just, I don't look at him as someone who is going to be like uh, a Kevin Durant or just a, a volume score, essentially a, a Jason Tatum, uh, whatever a volume score works is the point that I'm getting at. So um, I, I love Pascal Siakam's game and uh, I'd go over his 22.2 points per game. Do you have any disagreement with that? Yeah, I can't get there with you for this reason. Scotty Barnes is 20 years old. So whatever he was, whatever he has been, the reason why he's one of the more valuable trade pieces in the league is because he's 20 years old and he has that upside. The Donovan, and also this, unders are the way to go. In futures bets and prop betting, people generally want to bet overs and I want to bet unders because I want to be with the book collecting the money at the end of the day. Doc Rivers of the Cavs said, uh, talk going back to the Mitchell prop, which I like more, uh, they're a rare young team that buys in. And that's going to be in your favor because Donovan Mitchell went there knowing that he's going to be a team. He doesn't want to upset the apple cart for a team whose mentality is to buy in and do the little stuff and not necessarily uh, care about the spotlight or the sports center highlights. I think the Raptors are the same way. And I don't think Pascal Siakam uh, will get in the way of Scotty Barnes ascension. And I think his ascension is inevitable. So he could easily get over this prop. He could easily score exactly the same amount. But I think if anything, I would expect him to score a little less. Yeah, no, that's a smart point. And like just a general rule of thumb, if you just blindly bet unders, you would be profitable in, in futures or in these kind of futures. So that's a point well taken. Fair enough. Um, all right, before we get into some of your bets and some more of my other future bets, let me just shout out the sponsor of this podcast, uh, both DraftKings Sportsbook and Points Bet Sportsbook. You can Go to outkick.com backslash bet and access a couple awesome promotions from these two sports books. Uh, DraftKings has two of them, actually. One, you bet $5 on any NFL money line, you can receive $200 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings also has a $1,000 deposit bonus. Uh, Points Bet Sportsbook offers two free, two risk free bets of up to $2,000. So get those at outkick.com, excuse me, backslash bets and you can also go to outkick.com um betting which you can access our odds player props and future finders 
uh, pages, which helps you find the best of the number, which is probably the most, I would say the most important thing to sports betting is finding the best price on the, uh, the, 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 the game odds or future odds or player prop odds that you're looking for. So be sure to access those, those helpful tools that they help every better, including uh, myself. So you can go to outkick.com backslash odds actually. And, um, you can click the, uh, odds finder player props and future finder links for that uh help for those tools excuse me all right so let's uh let's hear your first bet that you have in uh the eastern conference what do you what future did you look at or do you have in your hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline account yeah so i'll give my best bet a little later in the show uh triple star you know max uh Rarely do I like a bet as much as this bet that I'll give you later on in the show. Uh, cool. Numbers move, but I still think it's valuable. For my first bet, though, let me go Pacers over 23 and a half wins. And Rick Carlisle just doesn't tank. Rick Carlisle, you look at his his history. Yes, Victor Venbenyama, Venbenyama is going to be, you know, the talk of every team that's under 500 the rest of the season or, you know, the course of the season or the Pacers are going to be one of those teams. But I just don't see them being the worst team in the league, which is what their number is set at. I mean, first of all, they were supposed to be an average team last year. Miles Turner gets hurt. Uh, Rick Carlisle demands offense above all, uh, gets a lot of faster players, brings in Halliburton, plays one of the fastest paces in the league. And yeah, they suffer. Their defense was was terrible as they prioritize offense. But if you look at when Miles Turner was with the team, they were 15 and 27. So 30 win pace, it's decent. Without them, they were 10 and 30. That's a 20 win pace. The market is pretty much saying this is who they are. And I think first year under Rick Carlisle, they wanted to change the system, change the mentality. I think he's a hard ass. And I don't think he's going to have two years in a row like that. So I think uh, this number's ticked up a little bit, open 22 and a half, but I still think over is the way to go on the Pacers. Do you think they were expected to be average though last year because there was an expectation that Malcolm Brogdon would play? Everyone kind of likes DeMontis Sabonis, and perhaps the market was holding out some hope that TJ Warren could get back out there. Uh, none of those three players are going to be on the team this year, so it's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, they were. I'm I'm basing you know some of my analysis on their average win total last year with a bunch of guys that aren't going to be there. I'll say their replacements. Uh, you know, they were traded for not for equal value. You know, Buddy Heald is the reason why the Lakers call about him every single year. Halliburton was probably as valued as De'Aaron Fox. He was just on the same team with the guy with a little more, um, you know, veteran pedigree, and they decided to keep one and not the other. So I think the value that they got in return, uh, it hasn't, we haven't seen it yet, but I think it doesn't even, if they play as hard as they can, this is a joke over. The, the market is expecting a lot of these teams to tank i just don't think they're one of those teams i think they're a you know 29 30 win team i think they play all the way through last year they played all the way through there was no reason to play halliburton last two weeks of the season and they did i think that kind of shows uh the mentality that carlisle wants to instill 
Yeah, and I, what I could also say in support of your bet here is that these players, maybe even they have the vibe or the thinking that Indiana is not, maybe not tanking, but not, they're obviously not a championship contender. So, like, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner are actually, like, trying out for a new team, right? Like, they're hoping to right. get traded at the de- <laughs> at the deadline, you know what I mean? So, yeah. it's not like they're going to play bad because they're hoping, like, I don't know, maybe a Lakers can somehow pack it, put together a package for a Buddy Heald or, or frankly, a Miles Turner. They could use both. Yeah. I mean, Miles Turner was on the trade market all summer, very likely, or not likely, maybe 50-50 that he makes it all the way the season with the Pacers. But he's going to be there, and he's going to be playing like Miles Turner, and they were a much better team with him. Or midseason or January, November, whenever, they get someone of equal value, and I think they're going to get someone that wants to play, that they want to put in now to uh, – have this up and down system and play better. Yeah. And if like the paces are actually tanking or don't want to have a good record this year, they might get like annoyed at miles Turner and buddy healed balling <laughs> out. And be like, all right, we got to get rid of you guys. But like that, that would mean like the Indiana Pacers probably played well enough to where it's putting your, your over bet here and in, in kind of good shape. At least that's, I'm assuming part of your thinking. Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's, one of those things where who makes the decision? I'm sure the owner of Indiana, I forget his name, but very frugal guy historically would be like, oh, I get to save money and get draft picks. And also I can argue that it's going to help me win a championship. Yeah. Rick Carlisle is not going to be in his room, in the room, you know, in his ear, making that, making that pitch. That's just not the way he's wired. Uh, you know, it, my perception, if I knew for a fact, then it would be a bigger bet, but I, this is my perception. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Pacers owner is Mike Pence, and he is uh, very, very conservative, traditionally speaking. So, Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So I don't mean to get political here in the NBA. Uh, um, uh, I don't really have anything else to say about Indiana. You really threw a curveball at me, like going over on the Indiana Pacers. That's some, that's some sharp, wise guy shit. <laughs> I'm just kind of trying to give you some conversation here. I, I will say to your earlier point, I think before you even started talking about Indiana, maybe we we were discussing like the Cavs or I don't know, just one of uh, earlier this podcast, there is like a lot more parody in the NBA than like, than I think most people understand, especially when it comes to like these regular season win totals. So it's, what did you give it out under or over 27 and a half? Was that what it was? 23 and a half. The lowest on the board. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, people might say, Oh, the Pacers suck. Sure. Yeah. Everybody knows that, but, they're better than, I don't know, Houston, in my opinion. And they're the priced Greek. with a, a win lower. So, Yeah, I mean, like 25 wins is really epically terrible, and that cashes your bet. <laughs> you know? That's what I'm saying. So I, I don't hate that. Um, I, I actually find more value. Again, I, I'm trying to be, I guess, cheap or frugal when I'm doing my future shopping. So I'm looking more towards alternate regular season wins. You might come at me here as the, saying that this pick is square or this future is a little square. Um, but I, I'm taking the Boston Celtics under 49.5 alternate regular season wins, which is juiced up to plus 200 on a DraftKings Sportsbook. What is their regular season win total right now? I'm pretty sure it's 53, right? There's 53 and a half. So there's 54 and a half out there. So 53 and a half is consensus. Yeah, so 53. Um, I, it, it, doesn't it seem like, 
I don't know. Maybe you can help clean this up for me. I, I need I need you to like kind of make some sense out of this for me. So if 53 is priced at minus 115, regardless of like how you feel about the, the, the Celtics themselves, isn't plus 200 for just four less wins and like pretty good value? Or it am seems I tripping? That way. So, so let's, let's break it down. So the market is saying 50% of the time they go over 53, 50% of the time they go under 53, just to keep it simple. And the plus 200 is saying you have value if there's more than a 30, yeah, 33% chance that they win four less games. So the market is saying 33% chance, less than 49, 17% chance, more than 49, but less than 53, 50% chance, more than 53 is how the pie chart would break down, which, which seems to make sense to me. I'm not sure how exactly the bell curve shapes out. But there's going to be a big cluster in the middle. They're going to win most likely 45 to 55 games. So you're saying they're going to be on the very low end of that spectrum. I'm not saying it's a bad bet, but the odds, they don't shock me. It's, I mean, okay. in, the, in the NFL, a team that's supposed to win nine, you can get plus 200 at over eight. It, it makes just a big difference as far as you get away from the middle. Fair enough. All right. Well, I guess the analysis that I have here is I think – I don't think Amy Yudoka clearly had a huge effect on the locker room. And I, I believe the only reason he's still employed is that the players frankly fuck with him. Like they like this guy. <laughs> they want to play with him, Right. Uh, I also think the Celtics got a little fortunate to win 51 games last year. Uh, Boston went under its win total and Brad Stevenson's final three years. He's an excellent coach. So that kind of further proves the point of like how good of a job Yudoka did last year. Um, and I think, you know, they benefited slightly by by like having it a having to like climb out of pretty much a sub 500 record after 50 games and put themselves into a non-playing situation and frankly a third of the nba is tanking by the time the regular or time the all-star break rolls along so like they did play really well against competitive teams anyways but i do think like some of those easier wins can't necessarily be accounted for or uh, be a factor. Uh, I do think they get less easy wins this year is probably the best way to say it. And really the, the kind of end all be all of my anti Boston Celtics thing is that they're always, and or not always, they're still lacking a true point guard and ball handler. Like Marcus smart, awesome defender. Like he's the type of hustle guy you want to have in your team, but ultimately their ceiling is kind of capped off because uh, or is a little lower because uh, of their lack of a true point guard. And they're already going to be missing their star centerpiece of their defensive front court, Robert Williams III. I do think the East got better. Um, Philadelphia 76ers got better. I'll talk about them in a second. Cleveland Cavaliers got better. Um, hopefully, the, well, for Milwaukee Bucks fans' sake, that the Milwaukee Bucks are a little bit healthier this year. So I do think it's going to be like a tougher road for Boston and um, I think they go under under fifty wins. So, well, I guess under forty nine and a half plus two hundred. So, that's my that's my first look. And uh, well, I guess what are your thoughts on that one? It makes sense that any team uh, that has such a uh, noisy event, you know, something that shakes up, that's the con- topic of conversation, not up in their locker room, but in every locker room. Uh, out of the 30 that they have a wide range of possible outcomes. And you're saying there's better than a 33% chance that they pretty much were were what they were expected to do last year, 
over the course of the season, win 49 and 48 games. It makes sense to me. Uh, I, I w- I'm not going to bet it. I, I lean the other way because I think you look at last year and they were so much better towards the end of last year, starting in January. And yeah, that's the coach, but I think that's the culture that's instilled. And that's the attitude, talk about buy-in of the players. And I don't think that goes away. You look at a couple examples. Uh, last year, after the Suns lost the championship, they were by far the best regular season team. They were clearly on a mission to avenge that loss. Spurs 2014 style had that vibe. Also look at the Warriors when they didn't have their coach, when they had their coach not due to uh, malfeasance, but due to back problems, they had to put Luke Walton in. They won 70 games that year. I think the day-to-day effect of the coach is somewhat overstated in the NBA. And I think the the culture and the philosophy that was instilled is still there. So I probably lean over on their win total and uh, I wouldn't bet over 40, uh, under 49 and a half plus 200. But, you know, good luck. Good luck to you. Yeah, I, I hope this is the thing. Jason Tatum misses two months and this is an easy cash. So there's very many outcomes where I could see this cashes and that wouldn't even necessarily hurt their title odds because he, he could be back for the regular season. So if you're betting an under, I think there's an opportunity for value almost in every case. What are your thoughts on Jason Tatum? Because effectively Boston kind of goes as he goes in the sense that if he if he takes that next step into I don't know where you have him power ranked right now or have him in terms of your top players, but if he takes a step into the top ten or becomes a first team all NBA guy, then that probably makes Boston a top two team in the East almost unquestionably, right? Do you think he makes that 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 improvement year over year or what are your thoughts on him jason tatum is an interesting case because i was on the bandwagon early on thinking this guy could be a top 10 player just his game you know the smoothness of it the portability of it can fit with other players uh i was always a fan of and i think he's a top 10 player right now but i think he's closer to 10th than where a lot of people have him ranked espn had him seventh cbs had him ninth so i think that usually happens when you make a finals run and it's funny that I have him rated lower than, uh, you know, the media writ large. NBA 2K has him as the 10th best player, for example, uh, because I didn't think the finals was that bad. Like, I know he shot terribly. I know he shot 38% true shooting, but he was taking the shots and he was getting the shots. And you can't really control, you know, one outing when everything's on you. I wanted to see how you would react. And, you know, up until later in the series, he reacted like I thought he would. He just kept going and they, they, the shots weren't falling. So Kobe Bryant in his first finals had a terrible true shooting, worse than Jason Tatum. LeBron James, when he was 24 years old, same age, first finals, his true shooting was worse than Jason Tatum. So I don't think we knock him off the superstar totem pole because he had one bad series. But I also don't think he's, you know, better than Kawhi Leonard or better than Kevin Durant. ESPN had him rated better than Kevin Durant. It's just crazy, in my opinion. Uh Show me a little more, uh, young one. Uh, you had a good couple series, bad finals. Uh, you know, excited for your future, but more closer to 10th than a top five player right now. Fair enough. Who's your favorite team in the Atlantic? Because that kind of um, transitions into into my next bet that I have in, in my account. Uh, you uh, you froze up. You said, who's your favorite team? Who's Was your favorite team in the Atlantic? Uh. No one who really values. goes by divisions in the NBA. Huh? I kind of <laughs> threw you off. No, but uh, my my employer and a good friend, I think, R.J. Bell, gave out Suns 12-1, to 1, and he's still driving around in the car he got from that $12,000 win. So 
hey, with division bets cash, they're real things. And hey, maybe the fact that nobody talks about them makes them good opportunities. Suns 12 to 1 in the same division as the Lakers and the Clippers. Lakers and the Clippers didn't care about the regular season. Suns did. The 12 to 1 cashed good on them in the lore of sports betting, I think. You know that'll go down. I actually uh, think you're underselling. I thought it was fourteen to one. I, I remember hearing that. And I, I actually <laughs> might have been. It might have been. I took a piece of it as well. Um, I think I got it at eleven to one, but he gave it out at fourteen to one. That was one of the better handicaps I've heard anywhere ever. That was that was sick. Um, yeah, he, it was tight. He put it. He put it all together because there was such disparate motivation in the Atlantic. I think there's some disparate motivation. I think uh, the Celtics do have a dark cloud over them. I don't think necessarily they're going to go balls to the wall. And I think the Sixers were embarrassed last year. Uh, I think they have the pieces. They were a good regular season team last year. James Harden looks preseason wise to be a lot better fit with that current squad. Tyrese Maxey, 22. We expect a jump from him. PJ Tucker, a lot of the advanced metrics had him as one of the most impactful players in the NBA last year from a defensive perspective. They just add him in. They just slot him in. I think the the uh, do you have the odds for the Atlantic because I, I was looking at the win totals and the Celtics fifty four in one spot the fifth the Suns fifty that seems off to me I think they should be expected to win about the same regular season games if anything I would say the Sixers should be favored to win more yeah so one of my bets is the Philadelphia seventy Sixers to win the Atlantic Division nice. at plus three hundred. They are we, didn't, the th- we didn't prep this. We didn't practice this. He didn't say, hey, I need you to you know, make me look good. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, they're the third best odds. The first best odds of the Boston Celtics at plus 135. Nets are second at plus 185. Raptors plus 1,300. The New York Knicks plus 6,000. So what's your handicap? I mean, I gave my handicap, but why do you like the Sixers? I, I, I like, like you said, they were embarrassed last year, and this is a referendum on all things Philly. Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers. James yep. Harden, Joel Embiid, but I, I think they'll rise to the challenge, at least in the regular season. I I could end up fading them in the postseason for, you know, all the obvious reasons, but I think they're gonna they're gonna really kind of get everyone on board um with their possible championship contention this year by just dominating in the regular season. Um and they have just epic regular season upside. Doc Rivers is as a great regular season coach, James Harden comes in more um, in better shape and, and, and more focused talking about praising himself for taking a pay cut, which is kind of funny, but it, it's true. You know, he's, he's um, trying a little harder or at least um, doing what he can to make the Philadelphia 76ers better. Um, James Harden, Joel Embiid's pick and roll is probably going to be the best play offensive play outside of like anything Curry and, and Clay Thompson does in the NBA. Philly had a plus 15.8 adjusted net rating when Embiid and Harden were on the floor together at the same time last year. That's according to cleaningtheglass.com. And like you already said, Philly Philly got much deeper this year. Adding PJ Tucker is an awesome pickup. I really like DeAnthony Melton, especially like in the role they're probably going to sure. use him in. And also like I know he gets clowned on a lot, but like Montrez Harrell is going to have like big games in the regular season. I'm pretty sure he won six man of the year for the Los Angeles Clippers while, um, while, while Doc Rivers is the coach of that team. So like if, if Embiid misses any time and, or they stagger Embiid and Harden minutes, I think the Harden Montrez Harrell's pick and roll as goofy as it sounds is going to be like 
super, super efficient come the regular season. And and the the, the, the last but not least, I'm a firm believer that Tyrese Maxey is a legit number three player, right? Like, I think he could be, maybe not this year, but I think eventually he could be a top three player on a championship team. Like, that's how high I think of Tyrese Maxey. So, I mean, I, I see a lot of upside with the Philadelphia 76ers. Again, I could see myself also fading them come the postseason, but... I mean, the regular season, I, I don't see any any reason why they shouldn't be a top two or three seed. And I, I like them to win the Atlantic three to one. I like Stadhead from Basketball Reference, and uh, I'm always on there looking at different things. And Tyreek Maxey in the 2022 playoffs shows up in a lot of searches when you're looking at youngest player to do this, youngest player to do that in the playoffs. 22 points per game from a 21-year-old is, is just unheard of. So the fact that he's your third best player – by the way, he's also edging out a max paid player and Tobias Harris to be your third best player. So, you know, it's exciting. It's it's a team that I think last year after the trade, I thought they could be the best team in the league for about a month. They looked like that. Harden had a hamstring issue, never looked the same afterwards. But there's definitely value on the plus 260. But I'll say for my bet, I want over 50 and a half as the better bet. Uh, just because I'm not sure if the Celtics are going to do well and blow up. They might. I'm not sure if the Nets are going to do blow blow up and do a lot better, do like they should the last couple of years, but I'm pretty confident. I'm more confident in the Sixers by themselves overperforming this 50 and a half number. Look at the first game of the season. This is, was six and a half. The Celtics hosting the Sixers favored at the open at six and a half. Now it's three at FanDuel, three and a half in some places. The Sixers are as good as the Celtics in game one. The market isn't really giving them that same love for the course of the season, but I think they should. I think it's a it's a three-team race in the East. I wouldn't put I – w- I would put the Sixers probably, you know, most likely to win the Atlantics. Wow, yeah, so saying that, plus 260, you know, it's a good bet. I got it at plus three – well, it's still plus 300 on DraftKings. That's where I got it, so. And, yeah, get the 50 and a half, lay some on the three, three to one. I think excellent value on the Sixers for this season. I also bet the uh, 76ers – plus four plus 175 opening night against Boston Celtics like I don't know like a few weeks ago a month ago it's down to plus three like you said plus Wait, you got plus four plus 175 you know what it might be plus it might be less on the money line now that you say it but I definitely got plus four. Oh, oh okay you got plus four and plus 175 I thought you were saying you got plus four and it was, that bet no, was no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. some yeah, alternative plus four. crazy bet. <laughs> no, I yeah. got plus four minus one ten, and then I sprinkled on the money line. I think it was plus one seventy five. Believe good, it. Good was. value, nice bet. Yeah, I got closing line value there. I think I'm still going to give it out at plus three. Like I think I think they cover the plus three again. I am higher on Boston or higher on the Philadelphia 76ers and and, and pretty low on Boston. Um, I hate to give out the worst of the number, especially when I'm holding a, a, a plus four, but I still think it cashes. I don't know. I got to kind of think about that more. But um, the last thing that I had in the 76ers, I was I was actually like really concerned. I, I've been high on Maxi for a couple years now or I don't know, for a while. And I was concerned that the addition of Harden is going to like ruin his development. He looked awesome in that offense and just like found his role anyways you know what I mean like Harden and Embiid can do their thing and and Maxi can still get his production so just seeing how all those three players fit together and how willing he is as like a catch and shoot player or knocking down transition threes again I, I do think like 
especially in, in, in situations where maybe they give Harden or Embiid a rest on a back-to-back. He can just kind of take over some nights. So, again, I, I, I've kind of beaten a dead horse here, but I, I really like Philly to win the Atlantic at plus, plus 3 to 1 or plus 300. But some of these bandwagons, like you can hop on and the value isn't, you know, sapped out. Like if you said, okay, I think the Grizzlies are going to be better than people expect last year, you could have said it for four hours and it still wouldn't be, uh, you know, wouldn't give it the weight that it deserved because they won 67% of their games against the spread. The Grizzlies were far undervalued and they did click in all cylinders at the same time. So the Sixers might be that team, the preseason, the early season money, it's all points in that direction. And I think you said it best. This is a referendum on all things Sixers. I think they, they, uh, they respond in the playoffs. We'll see, but I think in the regular season, they respond. Fair enough. What, uh, what's another bet you have in your portfolio? All right, let me give you my best bet. Let me give you my best bet of the Futures podcast. Oh, baby. <laughs> the Chicago Bulls under 42 and a half. So this was 44 and a half at open. You like the over? Or you're, what, you're, no, I see you no. reacting over there. No, all right. So yesterday I did a Western Conference preview, and the guy that I had uh, I had, I had as a guest is from Chicago. And so I asked his opinion of Chicago, and he was kind of lukewarm on it. But I just... I, I, I wanted to bring this up to you originally because I know you're from the Chicago area and you yep. um, you know that team really well. So this team, to me, I kind of, I've pegged for regression, but I also like will leave the door open for them actually being good because, frankly, I didn't even see them being that good last year and the Zach Levine-DeMar DeRozan thing fit really well last year. So I am looking for both a pro and a uh, a negative case on the Chicago Bulls. So I'm looking forward to hearing your handicap on this. So I think we've seen the regression. I think the regression happened very matter of factly the last half of last year after Lonzo Ball went down and the word comes out from Shams, unlikely to play for the first few months. I would be surprised, honestly, if he played this season. Uh, If if he can't rev up his injury, if he can't, train how's it going to get better it's it's bad news they're saying they're saying like his knee is like there's some shit going on that these doctors have never seen before yeah it's i mean i feel it's unfortunate for him but let's make some money on his misfortune the bulls defense was eight points worse without lonzo ball last year that's there's rarely do you see that kind of differential where they're a league average defense with him you know 111 defensive rating and then he goes down, and they're the worst defense in the league. Houston Rockets gave up 118 points per 100 possessions. The Bulls without Lonzo Ball gave up 117.5. They were right there as the worst defense in the league. By the way, their offense, not that great. And their offense was not that great. You know, good, top 10 in the league, with DeRozan having by far, without a question, his most efficient shooting season ever. If he falls back to what he was the year before or his career average, or anywhere in between where he's not, you know, setting records for mid-range every single night, scoring 40 a game, 30 a game for 11 nights in a row. If he's just DeMar DeRozan that we grown to know and love, that leaves a huge hole in the offense. Vucevic, former all-star, he's 31, he's been regressing. And let's talk about Zach Levine. Yeah, great player, all-star. He just got paid. The big question his whole career was, was he going to be a max player? Was he going to get this kind of money? Now he has it on a team where he's not going to have his running mate in Lonzo Ball. The All the excitement from the beginning of last season when they had all these new weapons and they were working together. 
I think that's kind of faded. Now that he has his money, I'm not sure if Zach Levine, I mean, it's only human nature. If his amp is at nine and not 10, it's only human nature. I think that's a big drop off. So I think projecting, I don't see why their defense is going to get better. They have a rookie or second year player coming in to play point guard. And I, I, I use something, Dusiyama, difficult to pronounce name. Uh, I owe Dosumo, I think, something like that. Dosumo, I think exactly. can play. I like his upside. Well, here's the thing. When he was when he was on the court and he was running the first unit, that means the third string point guard, which was Alex Caruso when he was healthy or Colby White, it, they just don't have enough offensive firepower at the point guard position, in my opinion. Whether Dosumo will make a big leap or not, I think their offense is going to be average, and I think their defense is going to be, again, bottom five, which they were the majority of last season without Lonzo Ball, or all of last season without Lonzo Ball, which will be the entirety of this season, in my opinion. So this team already got lucky. They won 46 games last year. They had a differential of a below 500 team. They were supposed to win about 41 games. Don't see why they would get better. think they're going to get significantly worse. This is a good bet for me. Under 42.5, you can still get – Shop around. 41 and a half is out there. Get 42 and a half. Uh, the market moving quick on this one. Yeah, I mean, without Lonzo Ball on the floor, it's going to force DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine to be more, um, to have like more point guard duties and a great looks with their players. And that's just not what they do, right? They're they're ISO scorers, volume, volume scorers, volume shooters. Um, I do think while Zach Levine played his ass off in the in the first half and, and most of last year, I do think that was a little fluky and he's due for regression. And just really like like DeMar DeRose and Zach Levine were played about as well as they could to make that thing work for half the year. And I just don't I just frankly don't see it happening again. You know. My handicap for the Bulls under forty two and a half is almost my exact same handicap for why the Bucks were gonna win in less than six games in the first round of the playoffs. This team hasn't been good for a while. This is month after month now. And their answer, they won one game. They scared me when they won one game. Didn't they win they, game one, too? Or was, was it, it game was, two? I think it was, it was game two. two. Yeah, yeah, and it happened enough. exactly as you would have to write. You'd be like, okay, well, if they're going to win, then the Bucks are going to shoot terrible, and DeRozan's going to score 40 on 20 for 23 shooting. That's exactly what happened, and they won one game. When he was average, they lost by 30. So I think I think this team is is a below average team. And by the way, the East is a lot better. The Cavs are a lot mm-hmm. better. The Bucks are still there. So this is this is a ninth seed. This is not a team that's gonna that's gonna be above five hundred in my opinion. All right. So that kind of transition into a conversation I wanted to have with you. I do have a couple uh, few um, uh, big payout futures. I'm gonna bounce off here in a few minutes. But let's go through our Eastern Conference playoff teams. And and I don't know if you have the seeds or you have them power ranked in order. Um, but I have what I would think will be the the, the Eastern Conference standings come the playoffs. Um, yeah, well, I have I have my power ratings, and okay. there's no real schedule strength of schedule right. you know adjustment to make when we got 82 games to play. So yeah, let's go. All right, cool. So I actually pegged Chicago, Atlanta, and perhaps Miami all for regression, or being like maybe three teams that miss the playoffs. But I do have two of them in the play and one of which is the, uh, the one that I don't is the Chicago Bulls. But the one seed, I again, I think it will be the Philadelphia 76ers. Two seed will be the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think the three seed will be the, the Brooklyn Nets. Who, who are your top three power rated teams in the East? So I talked about my power ratings. I do have the Celtics as my highest power rated team, but 
like I said, I don't see the motivation. So I think the Sixers are most likely to finish number one, Boston number two. Milwaukee, I don't know. I, I, some things worry worry me about them. Uh, I, I feel like Giannis might stop, not get those calls this season, and it might be a point of frustration. So I have them at three. And then Brooklyn, by the way, probably has the best player in the world, but big question marks there. Ben Simmons looked all right in the preseason, but they'd be close number four. Okay, yeah, I have yeah, – yeah, like I said, I have them three. My my concern with the Brooklyn Nets, like on paper looks good, right, obviously. And with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and Joe Harris returning in the lineup, they have three of the top ten three-point shooters in the league, and they're starting five, which when you think about that is pretty scary, right? Um, but I just don't see how Ben Simmons works on this team, right? Like he is just so offensively inept and he also needs the ball in his hand to do anything. And really like he should not have the ball in his hand when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving out there. So I just don't see how it fits, but like there is a perfect world where, where he is just so locked in defensively and, and like gets the ball, uh, brings the ball up or, or, or gets easy transition points. And then when the transition gets stopped for Brooklyn, he gets rid of the ball and becomes more of like a, an offensive rebounder, rim runner, pick setter in the half court. But I just, I mean, I have no idea how it's going to look, to be honest. It could be, it could be terrible. The prototype is Draymond Green. And mm-hmm. Draymond Green's obviously a four time champion. He's a negative on offense. They'd rather have. When they, that's why they subbed him out in the finals. When, when they need points, yes, he gets five assists, six assists a game. That's because no one is within 10 feet of him. So it hurts their offense net-net. And you look at some advanced metrics that account for these kind of things. Draymond Green could average seven assists a game. If he has three field goals a game and four turnovers a game, it's a negative on offense. That said, if you're going to be defensive player of the year and you're a slight negative on offense, that's a pretty good thing. So how does Ben Simmons fit in? hopefully where he's just not causing that much damage where there's not that many record scratch moments where Ben Simmons gets the ball five seconds on the shot clock and he's looking around for who's going to bail him out. That's what really hurts an offense, the ability, the, the inability to, uh, for, to make teams respect you. I don't think he's going to change that. He's already commented on the video of him airballing. Oh, I don't airball all the time. It's, it's digging it the hole a little deeper, I think in terms of public perception, but he just has to be not that bad on offense, and the Nets can be a really good team. Yeah, and just like Draymond Green might lack a little awareness, like like personally or publicly, but like from a basketball perspective, like he's one of the more self aware players in the NBA. Knows right? his role. Good yeah. point. Very good point. Whereas, like, I don't get the impression that Simmons knows exactly what he should be doing. Like, I still. Like he's still like in the mindset of I'm a number one overall pick. You build a team around me, like I'm um, the man. And really, it's like now nah, you're you're like Draymond Green. Like you're the like the best that you could be used is as a glorified role player, as like an uh, one of the better role players in the NBA. And it's just I don't know if he's mentally reached that point yet. And I mean that's kind of gonna make or break his situation with Brooklyn. Honestly, if it's epically bad, like Brooklyn could kind of. I don't know if they'll be able to. I would I would assume they could just cut bait with them and end up being better off, really. Um, if they're just bringing any like backup point guard, you know, because Well, they need they need his defense. They need they need to be yeah. better than the worst defensive team in the league. So that that he's supposed to be a big part of that. 
For sure. For sure. I don't know. I, I, it's it's too much of a toss-up. But my next three teams, uh, the four seed, I, I like the Toronto Raptors. I got them in the four seed. Uh, five seed, I got the Cleveland Cavaliers. And six seed, I have the, the Boston Celtics. You already said your fourth power-rated team in the East is Brooklyn. Who's, who's five and six for you? I have Miami number five, Cleveland number six right now. On paper, I think Cleveland's a lot better than Miami. I already talked about P.J. Tucker being a big loss for Miami, but the infrastructure is still there. I have Miami slightly power rated higher, but Cleveland on paper, and I do my own player ratings, but I also want to check myself with you know ESPN and other, other sources. Uh, so I looked at ESPN.com, CBS Sports, NBA 2K, their top 100 players, and I said, okay, who is the best top four in the league? One second, dude. I, I, I love that you use NBA 2K because I like you. I use Madden ratings like to evaluate players and people. Like, initially, when you tell them that, they're like, What? But it's like, if you think about it, like these video game makers, they probably watch as much basketball or football in this case. No doubt, no doubt. There's billion dollar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they have like advanced research departments, like, they're not guessing on these stats, like, they're. They're using like legit like logic and whatever like research behind it. Sorry, I just thought that was interesting yeah. that you said that. Electronic Arts EA is as big a company as ESPN. It's definitely as big a company as ESPN.com. Like they spend billions of dollars on research. They have thousands, they employ thousands of people. You know who is paid to judge games that doesn't watch a lot of games? National NBA writers. Because <laughs> right, they yeah. have a lot of teams to cover. It'd be very hard for them to have the same intimate knowledge of the sixth string player on the Cavs as a guy that is a scout paid by EA to do that same analysis. So, yeah, and sometimes I think they skew things. The Baron's not the fourth best player in the league, but maybe he's maybe he's better than I think at eight or whatever, whatever it is. I respect their opinion at least as much as ESPN and CBS. So, yeah, they're they're good. They're good. one of many sources to consider. Yeah, if you ask them too, they're going to give you like a legit response as to why they power rank that player. And it's like, you know what? Fuck me. Okay. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. You know yeah. what I mean? Maybe you're right. So I have these three media company rankings and I looked at the top four players. So the Suns have the best top four on average, the Sixers, number two, the Warriors, number three, and then the Cavs. So they're way higher in terms of that particular scope uh, than their current odds are and i think they're going to finish um probably i think by the end of the season i'm gonna have them power rated higher than the heat so i think they're you know top four top five team in the east so one of the things that you said earlier is how day-to-day coaching doesn't make as big of a difference in the nba um, which i i obviously agree with but the one one of the few exceptions to that rule is definitely eric spolster of miami like people clowned on Miami last year kind of you know within reason saying like they're the worst number one seed of all time which could be accurate right but it's also like credit needs to be given to Eric Spolster for getting that team to the one seed because it wasn't like they were healthy and everyone else right. got injured and they benefited of that no they missed Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo for extended periods of time and still, they led the, the Eastern Conference and win. So, my my number seven seed is actually the Miami Heat. I do think they're a team based on injuries, based on – I do think the loss of P.J. Tucker um, 
uh, it does hurt a little bit. Obviously, not not enough to like maybe cost them a playoffs, um, a playoff seed. But I do think a, a number of other things could happen that could eventually um, really hurt that team. But I do have them as my seventh best team, and I, I think they're going to be in the play-in. Um, I have the Knicks at eight, which. I don't know. We can talk about it if you want. I got uh, Atlanta Hawks at nine and the Detroit Pistons at 10, which we're definitely going to talk about the Detroit Pistons here in a, in a second. Um, any thoughts on that? Or, or what are your next four teams that yeah, the, probably be in the play? The, the world probably has enough conversation about the New York Knicks. So I, I don't oh, have, we're any have more. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> the world, the world is, is asking for it. But on the heat, I'll just say they're not going to be nearly as good defensively. They're number four defensively last year. And yeah, PJ Tucker, if you can shift things around, move Bam Adebayo, but as soon as one of those goes, guys go down and they go down every year, you're looking at a very thin front court. Once Jimmy Butler goes down or Adam Bio goes down, they're not going to play Haslam. I mean, they, they have him on the team, but I don't think Udonis Haslam is the answer necessarily. So a uh, regression candidate, you have him at seventh. Yeah, I, I think they're a lot closer to seventh than they are to where they were last year. I think that makes sense. Agreed. What are your the four teams that you expect to be in the plan? Let's see here. Or at least power power rank to be in the plan. Yeah. Um, So I have Miami number five, Cleveland number uh, six. Then I got Atlanta, Toronto, Washington, and Chicago. That's my four teams. Oh, okay. So Uh, you still think even though Chicago goes under, they could still make the playoffs via the plan? Yeah. I I just, I think Charlotte, you're looking at uh, LaMelo Ball already gone. We've seen their season win drop. The fact that he's going to miss the beginning of the season gives me uh, a feeling that there's some chance he's going to miss much of this season as they really are in no man's land. I mean, they had the coach bail on him and Kenny Atkinson. They had to bring in an old coach and Wilford. Uh, so I'm very pessimistic on them. Washington, I think Przingis is probably underrated at this point, but they don't really have a lot of talent outside of him and Beal. So I still think the Bulls make the, make the play in. Fair enough. So... Uh, circling back though, two uh, future bets that I have that teams that are in the play, and we'll start with the first one with the New York Knicks. Let's um, talk about it. <laughs> all right, so this is the the first and only season award that I've bet on right now, but I'm going to take R.J. Barrett to win Most Improved Player at plus two thousand. So okay. I have this thing um, that I'm happy to introduce you to a theory called the four year pop theory, and the players that it's essentially it's it's projecting players to break out in their fourth season and eff- effectively what i think is that the nba media f- and fans are the most impatient of all the sports and they just get rid of or discard talented kids before they're willing, before they're able to develop so i actually hit on brandon ingram a couple of years ago to to win best most improved player that was his fourth season i got him at plus 4000 i took his over points per game at like 16 and a half which just was a rocking chair cover but the other names on this list who people just conveniently forget um, that broke out in their fourth season are Nikola Jokic, Giannis, James Harden, Clay Thompson, Joel Embiid. Obviously, that was injury-related mostly. And then Jimmy Butler, all of which either made the all-star team in their first year or or one most improved player. Also, I mean, this is no secret to you, but there's an obvious East Coast bias in the media. So yeah. if the Knicks were to be – I mean, if the Knicks are a top-six seed, that probably means R.J. Barrett – 
took a step forward and that would effectively make him a lock for this award. But if they make the top eight seed or the, the play in, like I still think you're getting line value on this award because I don't see any chance the Knicks are even a playoff contender unless RJ Barrett improves on his production. And he's improved by 2.4 points per game at least each of his first three seasons. His shooting regressed last year by three uh, percentage points on effective field goal shooting, but he had a higher usage rate. And I actually think, now I don't think, I know, the New York Knicks backcourt was by far the worst in the NBA last year. And I don't see Jalen Brunson as someone who's going to be ISO heavy. I know he does a lot of work on the ISO. His mid-range is sick, but I actually think he's going to be somewhat of a legit floor general point guard and is going to help out Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett played much better in the second half of last season, and we know how how Thibodeau coaches, right? He's going to leave RJ's ass out there for 45 minutes if he's playing while the New York Knicks are winning. So instead of betting any New York Knicks futures, to me, the only way they go over on their stuff or cash any type of like to make the playoff bets is if RJ Barrett ascends. So I'm going to take a flyer at plus at 20 to one on RJ Barrett, most improved player on the four year pop theory. What is your thoughts? I like the four-year pop theory. I mean, the guys you named, all of them were like written off. I remember thinking efficiency-wise, James Harden is as good as like anybody in the league. Why is nobody talking about him? I know he had a bad 2013 finals, but I used to love James Harden, thinking he was the most underrated player, and then he popped. Brandon Ingram, I can't take credit for being on his bandwagon, but you were, and a lot of people were. A lot of people were saying, yeah, he got shifted away from L.A. because he didn't fit but this is a guy this is this is going to be a guy by the way end of last year nine and one when ingram played the pelicans won towards the end of last year in the regular season so he's he's the guy i bought all the brandon ingram stock that people sold (laughs) i bought all of it man yeah and rj barrett is in a great position to succeed because they brought in jalen brunson you mentioned but they also created a huge vacuum to have an elite wing, you know, be on Sports Center every night, and that name is Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell never showed up to fill that vacuum. So now you have that same, uh, you know, televised game, the same demand from the media, the same opportunity on the team for a wing player to step up. Still only 22 years old, much better every year. Uh, makes a lot of sense to me. 20 to one's a good flyer. Yeah, and it's like. They the Knicks literally declined trading RJ Barrett for Donovan Mitchell. Whether they're right or wrong, we'll see. But it was with the idea is like, you know, we expect him to be a mid twenty point per game score and to look like the the number three overall pick and what could be a sick draft, right? With Zion Williamson, John Morant going three behind yeah. those guys all of a sudden. It's like it was a little disappointing at the time. Not Zion Williamson, but like RJ Barrett went into college as the number one recruited player out of high school. So, like, he kind of was expected to at least be drafted ahead of John Morant. Now you look at these guys. I mean, I think Zion Williamson could end up being a legit MVP contender this year. John Morant the same. And all we need is R.J. Barrett to improve by maybe three points per game. The Knicks be close to 500, and I think we're going to get closing line value on that. So, that's yeah, and if you look at if you look at their win total, it's kind of perfectly set up to have a high-leverage player where they're right there mm-hmm. with Chicago as the 8-9 seed. If they make the playoffs, it's going to be because R.J. Barrett balled out. And there's going to be a lot of people that want to talk about it. When people talk about it, it tends to affect the futures odds. So, yeah, that's a good bet. 
Yeah, this guy one. gets nice. a, a New York Post, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> a New York Post cover a few times. The he balls out. Hell yeah, yeah dude. Um, and another one. I so I have the um, I have the the Detroit Pistons as my ten seed, and my final playing seed. Now I am sprinkling on them to make the playoffs at plus eight fifty, and I'm going to hit their alternate win total at over thirty two and a half um, at plus two ten. And okay. really, the 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 foundation and brought of my my handicap is I I actually believe Cade Cunningham is a franchise altering superstar. That's effectively it. Like I don't think the Detroit Pistons win less than thirty five games while Cade Cunningham's healthy ever again. Now I know they've actually looked like shit in the preseason. I I actually usually just ignore the preseason because I think it it more or less does it like kind of hurts your evaluation more than it helps it. I mean, that's just my personal philosophy. Um, it, this, their price to make the playoffs actually was plus 1100 mid September. So it's taken action. I don't know if it's sharp action, but I can't assume a lot of squares are running out to bet the Detroit Pistons to make the playoffs. Right. So maybe it's just whatever. I don't know. It's just natural line movement or non sharp line movement, but I really like the addition of Bogdanovich, um, and I think they're solid at wing between Sadiq Bey, who had a 50-point game last year, uh, Bagdanovich, if he's on the floor as a starter, like his ability to space the floor um, is gonna is gonna is gonna keep defenders honest and help open driving lanes for for Cade Cunningham and 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 Jaden uh, Ivy. Um, I also think they have like a legit interesting front court Isaiah Stewart can stretch the floor hit threes he's a tough physical rebounder they love that kid Jalen Duran uh Duran from uh I think he was from Duke 13th overall pick this year and New Orleans Noel it's probably not someone I should even have just brought up but again like I value backup bigs for if like you're going to be a good team you need to have a couple good backup bigs so New Orleans Noel in 15 minutes could fill that role and also they took a flyer on Marvin Bagley who gave them some pretty solid minutes last year if he can fit into his role and accept his role i think that i think he can turn his career around they Detroit improved in the second half of the year i think they were the best team against the spread post all-star break they were 17 5 and 2 against the spread uh, 10 and 14 straight up, but they did really well against below 500 teams. So if they could beat who they're supposed to beat, I think the over 32 and a half at plus 210, because I'm so high in Cade Cunningham, is is that's actually my best bet of this podcast. And again, I am sprinkling on them, on them to make the playoffs. But what are your thoughts on Cade Cunningham or Motor City basketball, I guess? I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. You talked about the second half last year, the number one ATS team in the league. And what was most remarkable about that, I think they won 15 out of 16 in the first half. And they actually, on average, in the second half of the season, they were six-point dogs, but they had a better first-half scoring margin than their opponents. So they were covering, like, plus three to the point where they usually won. And that tells me a couple things. One, uh, it's a young team that's buying into the coach. By the way, the coach needs to win. They he's not a guy like Carlisle that can afford to tank uh, in his third season with Detroit. And it tells me that they got uh, that they're, that they're surprising teams with how good they are. And I think they're a lot better than they were to begin of last year. So this could be a, this could be a playoff team. This wouldn't shock me if they finish above the bulls or the Knicks, uh, Cade Cunningham. I think I see it. I see it. I could see him being a top 10 player in the league before long makes a lot of sense. They were, were on a 36 win pace 
the second half of last year, I think they'll be at least as good or better. And if they are, you're cashing your plus 200 bet. So it makes sense to me. Yeah, their regular season win total is 29 and a half. Like, come I. Again, right. I guess I'm just higher on Cade Cunningham than than maybe the market, but I I, I think we're getting somewhere with uh, uh, someone and in Cade Cunningham whose ceiling is somewhere in between Luca and, and John Morant, frankly. I do. Here's why I like the alternative bet, because I lean to the over 29.5, but I'm worried if they're 28 wins with a few games to go, they're probably going to rest everybody. They probably have a organizational mandate to lose games. But if they have a chance to make the playoffs, they could win 40 games. They can turn it on and keep it turned on if that's the motivation. So I think you got wide variance, and I think in more than a third of scenarios, they're going to be uh, in that profit zone for you. Yeah, and their head coach, Dwayne Casey, it, he's what I like to call the guy before the guy, right? Like right. he's a guy that could hey, – I think he can maximize this, this young roster, right, and get the most out of them. But eventually, he'll also be the reason they get bounced out of the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, obviously, their talent will play in a role. Like, if they sneak in and as we'll an bring in Nick Nurse and win the championship. We'll bring in Nick Nurse and win the championship. That's, no, that's but, how it's done. <laughs> yeah, it's the guy. Again, he's yeah. the guy before the guy. Like, they, they find, like, maybe, like, the Detroit Pistons in the Dwayne Casey era at the end of it gets like a four seed and they get bounced out in the first round. Everyone's like, God damn it, Dwayne Casey. Then they get the next guy again. Yeah. This is in a few years. I don't expect them. Yeah. Right. So keep cashing your checks, get this team to 50 wins and then uh, move on to the next moribund franchise. It's a good life. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the, that's the final bet that I have here, but let's just go through the season awards, get our picks. And if you have a bet that you're going to make or, plan on making on any of these obviously you know i, I want to hear it and the audience says that's what we're here for uh, we'll start with the mvp though do you have any looks or, or i guess who'd be your pick to win the mvp uh luka Doncic. he was a favorite last year he's the favorite this year uh it's a good story it's you know the white savior it's got to be said i mean he's the best i guess him and Jokic at the same time do you are consider the best him, i don't consider him white i consider him european it's funny. There is definitely a distinction in many people's minds. You're not the first person to say that. He's a very popular player for lots of reasons, deservedly so. And he's also in a heliocentric offense that got rid of the other ball hander and Jalen Bronson. So it's going to be all Luca all the time. They're supposed to win 50 games. I think he's the best bet, or at least the most likely to win it. He's the favorite for a reason. Yeah, agreed. I mean, they're... Dallas is doing whatever. Well, not even, maybe not purposefully, but like Luka Doncic has the clearest runway to win the MVP in the league. Like the NBA kind of wants him to win it. They definitely aren't interested in giving it to Giannis or 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 um, Jokic again. Um, so I think they want someone, whether it be Joel Embiid or Luka Doncic, to step up. The thing that stops me from making Joel Embiid my official choice, and I, I do agree with you and Luka, is just the injury factor, right? I, I think there's a much better chance Luka Doncic plays 75 games than than, than Joel Embiid. Um, yeah, no doubt. I might take a flyer on Kawhi Leonard at plus 2,500 just because I think when he's like actually on the floor, sure, like he's probably the best player in the NBA. I know he, that. <sighs> I, I had him tied with Kevin Durant for the entire season that he before he got hurt. Uh, and actually, like the game he got hurt, he was playing so well. I'm like, offense, defense, this is the best player in the NBA. Then he didn't play for a full year. So is he still that? Maybe, maybe not. But if he plays 70 games and the Clippers have the number one seed, he could definitely win it. Yeah, like if he plays – so right now he's got the 12th best odds to win the MVP. He's tied with LeBron James. 
frankly, if he plays 75 games, there's not 11 players better than him in the NBA. And that's just no kind way. of how that, that's how I see it. Right. I, I don't think he gets to 75 games because I don't even know the last time he does. But like, yeah, the last time we saw him, remember, it was I think it was the first round against the Dallas Mavericks. Or did he did he make it into the second round against he, I think he made it in the second round against the Jazz. But if you remember, right. everyone was going nuts over Luca, rightfully so what he was doing. Kawhi Leonard was the better player in that series and had, I think, like the best effective field goal shooting percentage in the entire playoffs at that point. Um, I I forget the exact numbers, but it was like 40 points, 18 for 25 shooting, and he guarded the other guy's best player. Like literally, not only was it the best he's ever played the last series against the Mavericks and the first half of the series against the Jazz, it's as good as we've seen anybody play. Uh, the last five years or so. I mean, it was 2019 Kawhi plus. So there's no reason why he can't. I mean, he definitely knows how to come back from injuries. He's done it before. (laughs) Uh, I think the market's pretty kind of pessimistic on him and the Clippers in general uh, when, yeah, it's not like we did. We saw it years ago. The last time we saw him play, he was the best player in the league. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if there's any markets out there like this. You might be able to answer this for me, but you can't bet the Finals MVP right now, right? Because I have. I bet the the Clippers to win the uh, NBA championship when I was at the Circa uh, signing up for the NFL contest. Not a huge bet, just enough to win a cup, um, pay for a couple contests next year, right? But I got them at right. plus seven fifty. Uh, do you? Is there like a, a Finals MVP future right now that you know of? I have not seen that. That's an interesting. It's definitely something they post like beginning of the playoffs or the end of the regular season. But I think he's more likely to win Finals MVP than MVP. Right? Yeah, for, it'd probably be you know, plus two thousand. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, or it'd be it, lesser than his uh, regular season MVP price. It, it should be significantly less. It should, yeah. If it was like ten to one, I'd be interested. Okay, cool. And the other name that just because we really haven't talked about, obviously, it's because we're focused more on the East that I could see some value in it It is Steph Curry. Cause frankly, I actually think Steph Curry, this is the best version of him right now. Like I thought his, his, his strength and like his, his, his balance and just his ability to take and play through physicality last year was the major difference that I saw in his game. And, um, I think, I think his numbers actually improve with Clay Thompson on the floor this year. And if you remember, Last year, and the beginning of the year, this dude was going nuts, and then his shooting just sucked for like I don't know fifty games. Like I think he scored. I gotta pull it up. I think he averaged roughly twenty six points per game, but his um, field goal percentage uh, dipped from forty eight percent the year before when he led the league in scoring at thirty two points per game to roughly 44%. His effective field goal shooting dropped. His three-point shooting dropped, which I guess effectively is pretty much the same thing. But like, if he just gets his shooting percentage back up to normal, he's going to be averaging 27, 28 points per game. I think the Warriors could be in the running for the uh, the one seed, which isn't a hot take. But if they're a 55 to 60 win team, he's averaging 28 points per game. I do think he makes it as like a finalist on an MVP ballot. So I, I was know. skeptical. You, you say you're an NBA guy first and you also do the NFL. I'm like, I don't know. You seem pretty savvy in both. I think you showed up your NBA chops there because the Steph Curry better than ever take is controversial. It's uncommon. I think it's a hundred percent accurate. You look at the last two series, Western conference finals, Boston Celtics, 
his dribbles per possession, his drives per his drives per game were unlike any playoff series he's played. He was taking a lot more contact. He was shrugging off Robert Williams and Marcus Smart on one drive. That was memorable. He's a bigger, stronger guy than he's ever been in his career. And when his shooting came back, because it did escape him for much of last year, it was unlike any Steph we've ever seen before. Maybe 2016 Steph was slightly more uh, dangerous from deep, but I think 2022 Steph was as good as any Steph we've seen. Controversial take, one, one which I agree with, so I appreciate that. One of the sites I love, I go to back all the time, Dunks and Threes has a value called estimated plus minus, dunksandthrees.com, which is pretty much given you have an average set of teammates around you, given you're facing an average team, how much better than average does your team become when you're on the court? The highest I've seen is 2016 Steph. He was plus 11 points per game. Jokic was close last year. He was plus nine points per game. Steph ended the season third. He was plus seven. But you talk about the beginning of the season, that stretch, that November when they were 18 and two, November, December, Steph was right where he was, plus 10 plus in the estimated plus minus. He was making an average team 10 points better than average with his play. That was not the case most of the regular season, but there's a reason they won the finals. He got back to that point towards the end of the year. If he maintains that and modern technology is a wonder, seems like 34, 35 is the new 31, 32. Wouldn't shock me if you, to see him win MVP. What, uh, what odds are you seeing for him? I see at DraftKings plus um, 1,200, which would make him the sixth favorite. I think there, I think he's better than the sixth favorite. I don't bet in these future pools because of the vig you're talking about often, mm-hmm. but I'll say he's better than the sixth favorite. Yeah, agreed. The the thing that I that I liked most about his game last thought about this that really surfaced in the playoffs was just like how uncanny and automatic his mid range action was. If you paid attention, like everyone knows threes, obviously, right? I mean, he's the greatest three point shooter ever, but like it felt like 95% of his inside-the-arc shots went in. These crazy running bankers, these floaters, like whatever he threw up inside the arc was just money. And it was like, I don't know, I just, I, I again, I'm beating a dead horse, but it's like I, I think we saw the most complete version of Steph last year. And I don't see, to your earlier point, like modern medicine, like I don't, I don't see him getting worse physically year over year. Like I think he's going to be just as good, so... Think about Chris Paul five years ago, and people were saying, yeah, he's you know rounding out his career. He was as good as ever last year at 38. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just what we've seen recently. Yeah, and Steph Curry has that whole, like, he still could go to a vegan diet like Chris Paul. <laughs> he, <laughs> right. he could still do that. So, um, Ace up the sleeve. <laughs> moving along, I just like talking about the awards. Defensive Player of the Year, I actually think Draymond Green at plus 1,500 is a, a sprinkle worth making just because, like, this guy has to fucking D up. <laughs> he has to. He has to, he has to get yeah, the team to forgive year. him. Yeah, he's got yeah. he's in a contract year. He looks like an asshole. Everyone in the media is sleeping on him or or, or is is mad at him. So I sure. think like he yeah. responds like I, I used this analogy yesterday where like you know the the Kobe rape case where it's like, dude, I'm gonna ball out and make you guys like forget about all the off the court <laughs> stuff. Like there was there was that Chappelle joke. Play for your freedom. <laughs> yeah, says the judge yeah. throws Kobe the ball. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah, fourteen to one. I'll say this: I bet them three to one last year in the middle of the year because they were started off so so hot and uh, he got injured. So that's that's the worry that is he going to play enough games to catch a Rudy Gobert? But I think he's you know 
he's not the rim protector of a Rudy Gobert, but I think he's probably the best help defender in the league still. Yeah, and I actually think your case for last him winning defensive player the last uh, defensive player of the year last year was strengthened when he got injured because we saw right. how poorly yeah. they played when he was out. That's a good point. I mean, they were eighteen and two. They were the best team with a bullet. And then by the end of the year, people are like, oh, the Suns are way better than them. That's really all because Draymond Green missed a lot of time. Yeah, the other the other name on here on my defensive player of the year watch list would be Herb Jones at plus 3,500 because like Draymond Green, Herb Jones knows exactly what he's supposed to do. You know exactly what you're doing, yeah. dude. You, you, you're a three and D guy. You were guarding the best wing and like the scoring, the offense. Don't worry, bro. Stand in the corner, get ready to shoot. Like, but on defense, we need you to lock down or at least try to Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, yeah. Luka Doncic, right? Like these epic wings, Giannis, whenever they have the East West uh, meeting. Um, so like it's, it's a, it's a chunky price point plus 3,500. And again, it's like, he knows exactly what he's supposed to do. Makes sense to me for a flyer. I like the Pelicans over 45 wins. And you look at who guarded the toughest player, Brandon Ingram, zero times. Uh, you know, Devontae Graham, zero times. Zion Williamson, they're going to be working back from injury. I don't think he's going to be guarding the best player. Herb Jones and Matisse Thibel were the two highest, most likely to guard the other team's best player on a frequency basis. Much more than Marcus Smart, by the way. He won defensive player of the year not taking the toughest assignment most games because they had a lot of a lot of switching in their defense. Not so with New Orleans. I think he's going to uh, – if they win 50 games, he's going get, to get a lot of votes. Speaking of which, I actually also agree with you that the Pelicans uh, are going to be much better this year. Uh, and my favorite way to get down on that is betting Willie Green to win Coach of the Year at plus 1,500. I think if they are Ooh. a non-playing seed, um, he's going to get a ton of credit. And I think that – value of plus 50. I think there's more value in this plus 1500 than even like Zion Williamson at MVP, um, which is I think plus 2200 because like there's a lot of talent on that Pelicans team. There's a lot of depth. Right. And I also think as, as goofy as this sounds like, I think Willie green is a nice guy who people want to root for. And like, he's the type of dude that probably stuck around in the locker room post game to have conversations with reporters. Cause he knew like, I'm going to be a coach. Like I got to deal with this shit. Eventually we just do it now. I'll give them quotes. I'll talk to the media. I'll, 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 I'll cozy up to these guys now. And I, I think just the, the, the perception of him both within the league, within the media is really high. And, and, and people are going to be looking to give the Pelicans credit if they were to take a step forward. So I like I like Willie Green at plus fifteen hundred. Again, it's a, it's a sprinkle. If if you're a hundred dollar better, maybe throw twenty twenty five dollars on it type thing. But that's that's kind of where I'm at. Do you have a coach of the year that you're eyeing up? Man, you mentioned the the name, and I'm like, yeah, that's a great bet. Then you mentioned the odds, I'm like, man, that's tough. Fifteen to one. Usually, it, you you know you get a little higher payout. But he he arguably was you know in this conversation last year. If you took a, you talk about from when they were 13, they were three and 16 to start the year to end up taking the Suns, the number one seed to six was a huge turnaround. If there was like a calendar year coach of the year, I think he'd be like a minus money favorite if it was like January to January. Uh, so I'm not sure if he's already gotten some of the acclaim that he deserves and that will put him in this conversation if they're as good as I think they are. But if you remember, so like last year, it felt like, 
Now, Monty Williams earned the coach of the year, right? Because Phoenix just killed in the regular season. But it felt like a lot of the media, especially after the New York Knicks flamed yeah. out in the first round of the playoffs, like, you know, we shouldn't have given that to Tibbs. We should have given that to Monty Williams. So Monty Williams the came after, into the yeah. season with so much momentum. Now, Willie Green isn't having that much momentum, but I do think like media and casual fans, like, you know what? Like, I probably deserve more credit. So it's like they're going to be looking – at him more for this award this year yeah. because they felt like he he was I don't even think he was on the ballot last year right and people are like oh exactly. we missed out on that one type thing so that can like bring him some momentum this year that's a good point I mean when does a, an award voter decide on coach of the year they don't know they don't think about it till they're filling out their ballot but that that inception happens you know far far months ago and I think that's already happened people are thinking yeah he doesn't get the credit that he deserves and he's one of the better coaches in the league at least he's done the best job out of many coaches in the league. Yeah, and I agree with you. It could be a juicier payout. But if you're looking at the coach of the year prices, there's um, 14 guys in between plus 1,000. Taylor Jenkins is plus 1,000 as the favorite. And right. then uh, Steve Kerr is also plus 1,500 tied with Willie Green. So there's what is it? There's 12 guys, excuse me, in the t- uh, plus 1,000, a plus 1,500 range. So it's all kind of jumbled up there right so not the not the greatest payout but i do think his like right now he's the um 13th best odds and i don't i i would put a more top five honestly. i would agree with that i would agree with that uh rookie of the year is not i actually don't watch a lot of college basketball and i don't have a lot of analysis i'll go with keegan murray if you have anything to say besides that go ahead that's funny <laughs> you mentioned that it's funny you mentioned that because a lot of people were saying, uh, you know, this is a one-man team. This is a one-man race up until the summer league and now in the preseason, Keegan Murray has just been killing it. The other answer is Paolo Bancaro. And after the draft, I was on the Bancaro's going to win Rookie of the Year award just because I think the Magic are so bad, if that makes any sense. The Magic offensively were by far the worst team in the league last year. Over the last two years, one of the worst, you know, two-year runs of offense we've seen relative to average historically ever. So they needed a offense score now guy. That's what they got in Paolo. Uh, he's going to get a lot of opportunities, but is he going to be effective enough? I'm not sure. I think that Keegan Murray, on the other hand, he'll be a cog in a probably above average team or an averageish team. Uh, so he'll get more credit that way. So it, it's a two-man race. You can get three to three plus 350, four to one on both guys. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really have a dog in the fight. Yeah, yeah, this isn't a uh, an award I usually bet on. I guess Keegan Murray's now. I gave just said plus four fifty. He's up to plus five fifty. Whatever, we're gonna have to focus on that one. Most improved player. I already gave my pick, R.J. Barrett. Um, do you have anything that and for most improved player? I'll just say it's funny that we're trying to bet who's gonna beat expectations the most, which is also like itself an expectation. So I always. Yeah. Did a double take like Dak Prescott is expected to be the most unexpected player. It never made any sense. So I, I, I never made heads or tails of it. Yeah, I hear you. Anthony Edwards is the favorite at plus 1100 and Tyrese Maxey's plus 1100. Tyrese Maxey makes a ton of sense. And frankly, so does Anthony Edwards because uh, the, like, the yeah. recent like, trend for this stuff is like first time all-stars. I expect both of them to be in the all-star conversation. They both kind of made like a huge leap. So I guess if we're not giving them credit as all-star level players, which they were towards the end of last year, then yeah, 
makes sense that they they would be. But I feel like there's just somebody we're not even thinking of. That's usually how it goes. There's somebody that is a eighth man that ends up being you know a top thirty player in the league right now. That, that's that's why I don't want to bet into the market. Fair enough. Um, sixth man of the year, I'll, I'll pick Bones Highland. Uh, he's going at plus fourteen hundred. It's not a bet. It's just a pick, just to kind of round out my um, NBA. I like predictions. Jordan Poole. I like Jordan Poole. He's going to mm-hmm. come back with a vengeance. I mean, just statistically last year without any of the will the media you know give him some extra sympathy he was scoring 20 a game on elite true shooting last year in the playoffs he was scoring 17 a game on elite true shooting again along with Tyrese Maxey just you don't see that from a young player at a young age at the highest stage so I expect that trend line to keep going up Uh, another name worth bringing up is Norman Powell plus 1100 because if Kawhi Leonard takes time off misses his usual 20 games, right? Like Norman Powell probably starts those games and he's that kid's got a ton of game, whether it be driving to the basket, he can, he can shoot it from outside. So I do think like he could, he can get a a bunch of usage that'll help push him over too. No doubt. And I talk about my player ratings versus the media player ratings. One of the bigger gaps is I think Norman Powell is very underrated, Mm -hmm. but also John Wall is going to get some love. I'm not saying he deserves it. I think Norman Powell is a better player, but when you think about the Clippers bench, and I guess a lot of people think he's going to start. I think Reggie Jackson's going to start. Either way, the Clippers are so deep, that might take some votes away from Powell. Yeah, I think eventually John Wall probably starts, and I don't think there's any chance Norman Powell starts unless there's an injury, right? So, Right, right. But we don't know. What are your uh, – before before uh, I let you go here, what are your picks to win the conference and ultimately win the championship? That's a good question. To be honest, I have not made those formal selections. Uh, I'm going to say the Warriors are going to win the West. Uh, They're going to beat the Clippers in seven games. Um, Actually, I'm going to reverse that. The Clippers are going to beat the Warriors. I I have a soft spot for the Warriors. I don't think that the Draymond Green situation is going to make them any worse. I think they might respond to have a little motivation in the regular season. But I think the Clippers just on paper have enough talent. The Warriors really overachieved last year. So I'm going to say the Clippers win it out West. In the East, I'm going to say the Nets – Fully healthy have the best chance, but I'm going to pick the Sixers. I think there's too much bad juju. I know the last dance was all about showing it to management. I don't see that same kind of resolve with this Nets team. So I think whether it's injury or uh, dysfunction, there's something that's going to derail them. I think the Celtics, same thing. They definitely responded to having a new coach. Now this is three coaches in three years. I think something's going to derail them. And the Sixers are going to finally make the finals with Doc Rivers then lose to the Clippers. I'm going to have the Clippers over the Sixers and Six. Yeah, I'm making the same picks. I'm way more confident in the Clippers, and I just think it's kind of a crap shootout East, and I, I do Really, think... we have the exact same finals picks? That makes me want to redo mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I I hate agreeing with anyone on a podcast. Like, that doesn't make for the greatest podcast. Because, I mean, there's the 30 podcast. teams... Uh, oh, we can, we right. can, we can, we can, we can out 15 of them right now. Though. <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. There's probably five teams that have a chance. Yeah, of winning championship. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to say the Nets beat the Sixers. Somehow Kyrie, Kyrie does it. Cause I really do think it's close out East. So just to be different, you pick the Sixers fine pick. I'm going to pick the Nets to win the East. Yeah. Honestly, if it's Nets, Sixers, Bucks, Celtics, I'm not surprised either which way I, right. I, I mean, the only thing in my head that really derails the Clippers, obviously, if 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 this uh, really if Kaminga and Wiseman take a step of of improvement, I think that would clearly make the Warriors the best the best team in the West. 
Um, but the, the craziest stat that I ever heard was about the Clippers two years ago entering the playoffs. In the regular season, they were the greatest three-point shooting team, the greatest foul yep. uh, free-throw shooting team in the league. And like after I heard that, I was like, okay, if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are healthy, I'll bet them to win the finals every every time. Every time. That's kind of how, how I feel if, about it. If, if Kawhi doesn't hurt his knee against the Jazz, I think this. I think back in 2021, I think they beat the Jazz. Obviously, they already did beat the Jazz with Paul George finally breaking out of his shell and playing well in the playoffs. I think they beat the Suns. I mean, that was a pretty close six-game series. A lot of those games were minus three or pick them on the road. You do a six-point adjustment, which I think generously or uh, you know conservatively, Kawhi's worth six points to the line. Sixers win that. All right. Now you're talking about the finals versus the Bucks. Suns were up two to nothing against the fine against the Bucks. They were, you know, power rated right the same with the Bucks. I think this is a team that's been cast as a failure because of one year, the bubble year. And yes, they failed. Paul George talked about how it was emotionally devastating, how he was never himself in the bubble. He had all kinds of depression. Kawhi Leonard never said that much in his life about anything, but maybe, <laughs> maybe it affected him too. Who knows? He's kind of a more private guy. But if you put that year, take it and put it in the corner, they uh, overperformed the next year. They were looking like they were, like I said, they were on their path to the finals and Kawhi got hurt. And then we've seen a year without him. So this team has gotten a reputation as, you know, a disaster, a four-year disaster. They played three seasons. When they were healthy, they looked like the experiment worked. And now they add more pieces, Norman Powell, John Wall. I think they should be the favorites to win the title. All right, on. So we're in agreement there. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and helping me break down the Eastern Conference and giving out uh, some some sharp analysis. And hopefully your three bets win. Hopefully my three uh, my bets win. But where can people uh, find your stuff and uh, keep up with all your handicapping? Yeah, so I'm a pregame handicapper. Find me at pregame.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Mac and Rivers. Tweet out a lot of graphics, data viz, uh, into the numbers, into the analysis, also into the commentary. I'm active on Twitter about all sorts of things. Check me out on Twitter at Mac and Rivers. Check me out online at pregame.com. All right. And uh, please do us a favor. Do me a favor. Follow the show at, or on Twitter at OutkickBets. Um, also leave me a nice review, leave this podcast, a nice review on Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts live. And you can leave reviews. It would be really helpful to leave us a nice review. So until next time, peace. peace.